It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Last December, Canadian authorities arrested the CFO of Chinese tech giant Huawei, stemming from U.S. charges the company made deals with Iran. That, coupled with the persistent talk of the war for global 5G network supremacy, pitting the U.S. versus China, has made Huawei a media buzzword for nefarious Chinese spying. At the heart of the allegations that Huawei skirted U.S. sanctions on Iran doing business there through banks in the U.S., via a subsidiary called Skycom. But the link isn't entirely unwarranted. In the last few years, the U.S. has charged Huawei with stealing trade secrets from T-Mobile, banned companies from using Huawei's networking equipment, and banned the sale of its phones to military bases. The Chinese company is a global leader in telecoms equipment and one of the world's biggest smartphone makers. But the U.S. Congress and others have warned that Beijing could use Huawei's equipment to spy on the world. And for the record, Chinese state hackers have stolen everything from F-35 fighter jet plans to Benjamin Moore paint recipes. report tonight lifts the veil on a kind of invisible war, China unleashing its full spy power on American power grids and the wealth of American manufacturing. So does the U.S. really want Huawei 5G networks to proliferate? Or is the tech company being unfairly portrayed? Whatever your position, Vice News reporter William Turton just went to China on a Huawei media junket. Apparently, the company is trying to get Western reporters to see just how amazing and friendly the company actually is. What ensued was, as Turton will describe to us on this episode, super weird. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. Well, thank you for coming, obviously. Thanks know, for having me. Always good to have more Vice people on the show, on the production. So you were just in China. I was. And what was that like? And what were you doing there? It was really weird. That's like the main way to describe it. It was super weird. So I went to China because a few months ago, I saw someone tweet about an open letter uh, that was posted in the Wall Street Journal and I think maybe the Washington Post from a senior official at Huawei, which is this Chinese telecommunications company. And the open letter was like, you know, hey, uh, there's a lot of controversy around us right now, but we want to give people the facts. And U.S. media, you guys deserve to get the facts. So send us an email. We're going to give you the facts. And I was like, I like facts. That's literally my job. So (laughs) (laughs) I sent them an email, not knowing what would happen. And then the reply was like, okay, great come to China. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) okay, cool. That sounds crazy. So like, you know, we kind of went back and forth for a couple months. um, And then they were like, but it was extremely vague the whole time. And then this PR guy came to the office with like the head of US government relations for Huawei. They like came and met with us here in, you know, a few feet away from where we're recording this. And uh, they still didn't really tell us a lot. They're like, you'll come to China for a week and we'll show you stuff about Huawei about yeah and like we're just gonna we're gonna take you behind the curtain and give you the truth Um, and also you'll be joined by 10 other journalists we're like well okay Uh, you know this could be pretty interesting and uh, the junket itself will be really weird so it'll be a good story and they're gonna let us film stuff great but I mean in the lead up to the trip we had no like, I had to get a visa approved. I had to get a journalist visa approved. 
which is a- apparently extremely rare. And they weren't like they were not sending us the, this letter we needed from uh, their headquarters or whatever to take to the consulate until two days before. Yeah. Oh man. So we I go and I like submit it and then kind of leave. And then, like, the night before my flight, I still didn't have my journalist visa. So I told Huawei, like, guys, I just don't I don't have the visa. Like, you waited until two days before. And they're like, oh, we'll work on it. So then, like, 30 minutes later, I get a call from the consulate. It's like, your visa's approved now. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay cool. So I go and pick it up the morning of my flight. It, I mean, it was weird to me, this company that claims to have no allegiance or, or involvement to the Chinese government is, like, is able to quickly pull strings to get visas approved. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, that was a weird pretense to the trip. And then you went, and was it what they had promised you? An no. amazing look behind the curtain? <laughs> no, it was not. So we started in, in, well, God, there was a whole other thing, which I still don't understand why, and I, I think my guess is, like, for surveillance purposes. But they had us start in Hong Kong, and then once we were in Hong Kong, we are like, actually, we're going to start the trip in mainland China, in Shenzhen. So I just stayed randomly in Hong Kong one night for for no reason. So we went to Shenzhen, and then we had a meeting in the hotel lobby. The hotel was owned by Huawei. It was called the Amber Plaza. <laughs> and it looked like a, a nice hotel, but it uh, was owned by the company. And so we sit in the lobby. Was with, there anybody in it? Like... Yeah, there were a lot of people in it. And it had its own little like village of like food and restaurants and stuff. And I mean, apparently it's like... Huawei employees from around the world and like vendors and people that they bring to China stay there. So so anyway, we sit in the lobby with the the head PR guy and he's like, so actually when we told you there were 10 journalists coming from places like Forbes and Wired, what we actually meant is uh, a guy from a telecom trade magazine and an Instagram influencer. <laughs> and I was like, oh wow! It's like you flew all the way to China to hang out with an Instagram influencer, just what you yeah, and always like, wanted. This guy was really nice. I don't want to disparage him, but he didn't even have that many Instagram followers. It was like a extremely low tier Instagram influencer. So then I go and look at his Instagram page, and he did he did ads for Huawei. Like he has received money for them. And then the the telecom trade guy was doing branded content for Huawei. So we were the only actual journalists on this trip, uh, which we found out only once we were in China. <laughs> well, I mean, I was—I mean, I watched the piece, and the one thing that kind of strikes me about it is that you definitely have this sort of this like North Korean government junket propagandistic feel to it. Maybe not as obviously as extreme, but. I mean, did you feel like it was something like that? Do you feel like you were being spied on during this this junket? Yeah. So I actually, I had a lot of surveillance anxiety going into this trip. Uh, I spoke with someone who was a reporter in China for like a decade, and she was telling me like, I mean, the words she used were North Korean, and I was like, oh, well, fuck. Um, oh, am I allowed to say fuck on this podcast? <sighs> fuck yeah. Sorry. <laughs> cool. So she, yeah, so I had a lot of surveillance anxiety, you know, especially because, you know, they, I know they were going to spy on journalists, fine, whatever, but I was also like going inside the company that would like assist in building the technology on spying on journalists or like would have the capability or like runs the networks there. <laughs> so like <laughs> I was going to be like double spied on. So yeah, I was having a lot of Did surveillance anxiety. Did you bring anxiety. a laptop with you? 
You know, I brought a laptop but never opened it. I, I brought a burner laptop, okay, but I yeah. just never found a use for it. And I, and I also brought a burner phone. When I went to the, the consulate in New York City, I didn't bring my phone either. I Yeah, and I assumed full compromise the whole time. This is actually not included in the piece, but uh, in the in the lead up to me going, there was like the DHS found out about this somehow. And I got like, I kind of like set up this call, but they had already known about the trip somehow and were like very keen to know every detail of the trip. What? And then at the end of the call, we're like, yeah, and you're just like, assume that you will be on camera at all times, especially in your hotel room. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I, I guess like I just, there's nothing I can do. Something I'm still trying to figure out if there's any like surveillance head experts listening to this out there. We stayed in many hotels in many different cities. Every hotel room I had was always right next to the elevator. Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> there's, there's no way that's a coincidence. I feel like it's for surveillance reasons. One time I left the the, the Huawei owned hotel at like 4 a.m. I was really jet lagged and I wanted to like go out and smoke a cigarette. I had a guy like follow me down the street and then follow me back into the hotel. Well, one thing it could be is that they put you on on certain floors that they would put people they will surveil you and they put you near the hotel near the elevator so that you wouldn't go down further into the into the actual floor Mm -hmm. and see how there's nobody there oh that's yeah i mean and they also could have rooms like that that are surrounded next to it that are also there in order to they're not actually rooms they're fake doors that are it's maybe it's somewhere where they're actually literally like a like we're right now staring at a at a window where you can see good god <laughs> it could it could very well be that right yeah that's that's one way of doing it i've heard a, i've heard a lot of weird stuff like i've had that happen to me in russia but one thing they used to do in the cold war was they used to go in and take a shit in your hotel uh-huh. room uh-huh. and just leave it there like mind games? As a, like, we can do whatever the fuck we want oh, with you. that's dope. Yeah. Yeah. So this, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of weird tricks, but I'm sure you were 100% being spot on. You might have even been honeypotted. I'm sure they probably tried to mm. see what was going on there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really... It was weird because I was like, maybe, like, I'll get a, a glimpse of it in some way. Well, there actually was weird... Like I, we, they took us to the the state-owned telecom, China Mobile. China Mobile, crazy, has like nine hundred million subscribers, which is three, like almost three times more than the population of America. And they were showing us like five G antennas on the roof, and there was this guy with like a huge DSLR just like taking pictures of. Oh yeah, me. that's in the piece. That's yeah, in the piece. yeah, yeah, that's in the piece. And I'm like, this guy's taking pictures of me. I don't know who this man is. <laughs> And then, like, a PR guy at the end, he's like, oh, he's just, like, from some communist newspaper. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. (laughs) Yeah, it was was very weird. Well, it is interesting that this is all happening surrounding sort of this, you know, if if you listen to Trump, you listen to even other, uh, other, I mean, to be honest with you, pundits on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. You know, this 5G, who's going to win ultimate battle. I've, I've seen it described as as uh, parallel to the nuclear race or parallel to the mi- military industrial complex that we're trying to get countries to buy our stuff and not Russia's stuff. Now it's China, but now it's wires. It's the internet. Right. I mean, it's clear that like Huawei is also under attack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's this like really fascinating dynamic going on in that 
you know, 5G is supposedly this revolutionary technology. The internet speeds are a thousand times faster. Uh, but no one else, as it stands, like in this current moment, really has the capacity to build a 5G network. There's Huawei in China, and then there's like Nokia and Ericsson in Europe, but they're like 12 to 18 months behind. So, you know, unless you really want to be super late to this, you kind of, it seems like you might have to go with Huawei. And there are, you know, Western countries that are happy to do that. Like Germany is proceeding, even though the U.S. intelligence agencies are, are telling Germany that we might share less intelligence with you. This extremely valuable, you know, intelligence if you use Huawei products. But, you know, Germany doesn't seem to have a, a problem with that. There is a lot of like, you know, really smart people who question the, the accusations that the U.S. government makes. How does it make you feel when you hear the rhetoric from the U.S. government when they imply that Huawei technology has a backdoor in it and that uh, Chinese surveillance agencies could use that technology to spy on people around the world? Well, one, one, one argument that I've seen that I think is, I think this might be the most accurate, and I'd love to see what you think of this, mm -hmm. is that the concept of them using those networks and spying on us, it likely won't be any easier or harder than it's, it already is for them. And to protect intelligence and protect your networks, do you really need Huawei or American cables to do this? Like, it, it, it probably doesn't matter either way. But the question is, does global influence matter more importantly than this sort of intelligence influence? Right. I mean, that that's certainly part of the question because it's like it will be a huge industry that will make a ton of money. I think there's also a concern of like a leverage point when uh, your networks are manufactured by this Chinese company that you know, clearly has some involvement with the government in some capacity. It, it gives them leverage in like negotiation, like a trade deal where they can, I don't know, delay a software update or a patch to your mobile networks or degrade them in some way. Or if you want to get like really apocalyptic, turn them off, you know, like. Or like how Russia right now even, even uh, will threaten Eastern Europe every once in a while that they'll shut off the natural gas taps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like any of the stuff that Russia has done to Ukraine over the past five years, uh, but with our mobile networks. So, I mean, do, is there a backdoor embedded into every Huawei motherboard? It's like hard to say. Will it, will it give them leverage if all of America's networks uh, use their infrastructure and technology? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think that's a good breakdown. It's almost like they're using this 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 siphoning of information backdoor argument as the more compelling argument against them, uh, their networks proliferating. I think it's the like, best that you can sell to the public. Do you think? Like the, I mean, the Chinese are going to spy on you. But but how about the Chinese could stop you from engaging on the internet if something goes awry? In I, I feel like that's harder to sell to people. Like you kind of sound. Like a crackpot when you say that. I mean, it's true. Even it's, though it's true, I it's mean, probably it's... the more plausible argument of the two. But they're like, like when you can just, you know, and it also it helps your argument rhetorically when you don't have to really explain it because you, you're like, listen, it's classified, and like the Chinese are doing espionage, and uh, 
all this stuff is top secret. And listen, like we're we're telling you the best stuff we can here. There is <laughs> the classic truly, top secret argument. There too. is a lack of information from the U.S. government on this to back up their claims. Oh like, yeah, that is just like that's been true. the biggest thing. <laughs> it's they keep saying that, right? But the other thing too is that this has been going on for you know this isn't just this year. I mean, the U.S. government, along with most Five Eyes countries, have been sort of excluding Huawei from bidding on things like emergency service networks for years. And they've been doing the same things in briefings. I did, I'm from Canada. I read briefings that the conservative government did had years ago saying, we cannot let Huawei get access to our networks because they will spy on us, yeah. national security, top secret. Right. This is like not a new thing. It's almost, it's coming to a head, I think, really. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, China Mobile, the state-owned telecom, has been petitioning the FCC to enter U.S. markets for like eight years now and just got denied very recently. So, I mean, this has been something that's been playing out for a long time and is now being amplified by the fact that the 5G networks are about to exist and, and I think, you know, just relations between the U.S. and China. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But the really funny thing is, is that I think what we're describing is, especially given your trip to China, where you couldn't really get any answers from Huawei on anything. Yeah. And then oppositely, here in the U.S., from our government, they're doing the exact same thing. You know, they're saying, beware of, of Chinese spying and not really providing any real evidence for that. So it's, it's kind of a case of what's going on. <laughs> Well, I mean, what are you saying? That the, the U.S. government does lots of surveillance as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, and, and they're not willing to actually disclose the surveillance that Huawei is or isn't doing on us. Right. Which I'm not, obviously, I agree they probably are. But they're not providing anything to substantiate that in a very public debate that is actually going to going to be very important going forward. Yeah. So we've been, we've been like uh, theorizing here a lot. But there was one thing that I, I found out for sure on my trip that was just like shocking. Uh, that they, it was such, I mean, we all know it to be true, but it was so shocking that they like fumbled this so hard and let us film it. It was kind of incredible. So there's this amazing dynamic on the trip. There were Chinese PR people, people who worked for Huawei and lived in China and worked in China, and American PR people. There was a, there was an American who lived in Hong Kong, one who lived in New York, and one who lived in San Francisco. And Was that the Chase fellow? Chase, yeah. Chase is from San Francisco. Uh, and so one night, <laughs> all the PR people go out to karaoke and get really drunk until 4 a.m. We did not go out. We were, like, resting and studying and, and being good. Uh, <laughs> Be but good the boy. next morning at, at breakfast, we find out that they're all super hungover. <laughs> 
which is like amazing. And so great time to ask a question. Yeah. And so like no one really knows what's happening on that day of the tour. We're like eating breakfast and I'm just kind of like, what's going on? And no one really knows what we're doing that morning. And eventually a Chinese PR person is like, let's go to a Huawei store in a mall. It's like 20 minutes down the road. It'll, It'll be fine. And the American PR people are like, great. We've never been to one. Let's go. So we walk in and the cameras are rolling and it is an exact replica of an Apple store. It is not inspired by or influenced or similar to. It is literally an exact replica down to the wood grain on the tables, the badges that the employees were wearing, the way the products were lined. And I was like, oh, my God, I just interviewed a senior official at the company yesterday who told me that the company does not steal intellectual property. And we're standing in this, like, church of stolen intellectual property. <laughs> and so <laughs> I saw the video and you were very frustrated. It, it's And it, you are completely right. Chase, does this place remind you of an Apple store at all? Apple, Microsoft, um, Samsung. I'm pretty sure everyone has very similar concepts in terms of the stores. No, they're not. No. They're not exactly the same. With the same chairs and employees wearing the same badges. There are some fundamental differences in those stores. And the mic. Interesting. Yes. I would disagree. Hmm. I was like, do you? How stupid do you think we are? <laughs> like this is. You're being very rude to me by bringing me here with a straight face. I am not appreciating this. <laughs> but, the, but the American, the American handler says that to you, right? He yeah. actually goes, "Well, I disagree. There's not. This isn't. This." And you're like, "Well, what? there's there's an amazing moment where the American handler, Chase, the PR guy, is like, uh, I, you know, this is similar to like a Samsung store, a Microsoft store, but you know, what really differentiates us here is the products." And I go, "Oh, the products. Interesting." And I turn to my right, and there's an exact AirPods knockoff, like oh, exact, God. just a Huawei. And I like held it up, and I was like, "Oh, I just you kind of just like put these in your ears, and it's like they float on air." And he just like walked away after. <laughs> he was he was not my friend with me after after, after that, that in the trip. We did not have any more casual conversations. <laughs> well, you know, he was wearing shades inside the store, actually, in the in 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 the piece. And I did clock that, but now that I know that the backstory, the back this story. is the exclusive podcast backstories. You'll yeah. know yeah. these PR people. There was that PR guy. We had a WeChat group of just like the PR people and us for coordination. At like three in the morning, he sent a message to that WeChat group that just said help. <laughs> no. Yes. It just said help. Yeah, it literally just said help. <laughs> <laughs> and and the next morning we had to be like, so what happened last night? <laughs> And what what did happen? They went out to karaoke. There just was yeah. one less PR person there. I mean, he was there. He was there. It was just he sent us help. <laughs> so I mean that I mean that was a whole other just layer of weirdness to me is just like the this like bumbling operation of trying to convince us and it was just like falling apart at the seams every minute. Like no no one knew what was happening or why we were going or why we were there. I mean, and it's this is also like that that sort of that theft of intellectual property is. It's also very common that the that the Chinese government has sort of said this this isn't true, it never happens. And you, you bring out like the J twenty fighter, for example. Right. It yeah. looks exactly like the F thirty five. They're like, yeah. yeah, we made it we made the same thing, man. Right. No big right. deal. Yeah. When Chinese spies were inside Lockheed Martin networks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and there was another thing that I'm I'm actually not sure about, but I don't want to I don't want to like strongly make this allegation. But they but they took us to a, a, an R and D facility. Or, or, yeah, it was like R&D. It was like testing their smartphones. 
and there they showed us a video and at one point the video showed kind of this mechanical arm touching a screen a bunch of times to kind of test you know that the screen works after you press it a million times right and i wasn't sure if this is the exact same product but one of the things that huawei is alleged to have stolen is is this thing called tappy from t-mobile yeah which is a device that tests the screen by pressing it a lot of times and i was like is that Tappy? Is that Tappy? And they were like, <laughs> you are not authorized to ask this question. I was like, what are you talking about? But this was by the end of the trip, and I was just like, okay, whatever. We weren't even allowed to film in there. So I was like, okay, mental note. Uh, you know, they showed us this thing that they might have stolen. <laughs> I, I got to say, your frustration, really, like, in the piece, you can see this, this steady decline yeah. of your, your, your just of me your tolerance of my this. Mind. Here's yeah. the thing. Here's the weird part about it is, like, it went down, it was down, down, down. I was miserable. I wanted to go home so bad. But then it went up at the end because we were we went to Shanghai and I didn't know this, but we were staying at the Ritz Carlton. Oh my god. <laughs> Which was like they brought it you know, they brought us there and they would have paid for it. Like if if we had let them, they would have paid for these very fancy hotel rooms. And they did pay for it for everyone else who was on the junket. Those, you know, the telecom trade mags and the yeah. Instagram influencer guy. They had all their food and, and lodging paid for. I mean, we paid for it because of ethics and standards. But just, like, being there in this, like, room that I could never hope to afford on this trip that taught me literally nothing was so insane and hilarious. So, that I mean, that's why there's a scene where I'm laying in the bathtub in that the really Carlton bathtub. Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is just surrounded by gold. So, you know, at the end, I was like, maybe Huawei is okay, and uh, maybe but that's we should when, trust them. But that's when you've lost your mind. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that is true. You, you yeah. know? I had fully lost it. Yeah, you're just like, I've, I'm, du- I'm sick of eating the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I watched the unedited footage of that scene in Me in the Bathtub the other day, and I was like, I forgot about this, but I was literally crying because I was like, what is going on? This makes no sense. <laughs> I was like disassociating. <laughs> How long were you there for? Uh, just a week. That was long enough, though. Totally. I mean, they could have really showed us all the important things in a couple days. I think they, I mean, once once we were at the Ritz-Carlton, it became clear to me that like, they're really trying to win us over on just like the lavish gifts part. I mean, we didn't accept any gifts, but I mean, if I could see, like, you know, there's, there's, I was, as I was talking to this telecom trade mag guy, he's like, you know, you go in these companies' junkets and they're always really nice. And I'm like, oh, well, you get to go on this like sweet trip to China for a week and they pay for all of it. And uh, if you write something nice, I'm sure they'll invite you on the next one. Weird. Yeah. I mean, this is true of like all PR though. Yeah. Anywhere in the world. But it was just so bizarre to see it. I mean, well, especially with something that powerful of an entity, right? Right. Huawei is not exactly just like some weird app where they're like, fucking use our app and write an amazing review. This is, it's one of the most powerful countries in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's also has has serious links to the Chinese government. Right. Yeah. That was, that was another part of it is uh, when I interviewed this, this senior official, the third ranking official in the company, the person everyone referred to as Madam Chen. She's like the head of communications. I I asked her with my amazing and fearless producer, Karen Yi, on this story, uh, had me ask her what her involvement in the Communist Party was. Um, and so I asked her uh, and she said, no, you know, I'm not in the Communist Party. And then I said, well, do you know anyone in the Communist Party in your company? She's like, well, I've I've never thought to ask. But the president and founder of the company, uh, Ren Zhengfei, mm-hmm. 
is known and openly associated with the Communist Party. Yeah. It's like publicly known information. Um, and his daughter's in jail in Canada right now, or in yeah, in yeah. Canada, not waiting, in jail. awaiting waiting trial extradition. And extradition. Who, who is the CFO of the company? Now she, I mean, this is like. There's so many threads to this. She is there for allegedly orchestrating a scheme for Huawei to help Iran subvert U.S. sanctions. <laughs> so there's like 5G. There's like, but it's all part of the same chess match. It, precisely. Yeah. I mean, it's and, and, and what was really interesting is uh, I'm sure you're on these lists as well. But right around 5G, when Trump really started tweeting about it in the summer, and then right after that, the uh, when Meng was was arrested in Canada, yeah, my like Huawei press release, they just started inundating me like three or four a day. Yeah, yeah, they're ha- they're a really aggressive. And every time push. something flares up, it would just like I get a crazy bunch of emails. Do you notice on Huawei. Twitter that you're getting like Huawei targeted ads? Yes, a lot? I don't know if that's because I like research the company all day long, but it's like all I see on Twitter now is just like like at. Get the Huawei facts <laughs> as a new tweet. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're being really aggressive and like bringing, bringing U.S. media to China is part of this plan to to get their message out. We didn't get an interview with with Ren, but other folks have, which is like really rare and unprecedented. He doesn't normally do interviews. He did one with like CBS. So like they're playing. They're they're. I mean, part of their strategy is like this this U.S. media push, and inviting us there was part of that. Well, I'm glad you came home with a cool story. Yeah. And you came on the podcast to talk about it. We didn't even get into the, the food that you ate, but... It was pretty time. good. I like Chinese food. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's known to be pretty amazing. <laughs> well, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This week's episode was recorded by William Flynn, produced by Lorenzo Franceschi Bicirai, hosted by me, and edited by Sophie Cases. You will hear from us next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.